Hebrews 11. Once you've found that, please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to read from verse 8 down through verse number 16. The Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place uh, which he should, after receive an inheritance, obeyed. And when he went out, not knowing whither he went, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, uh, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had uh, which hath foundations, whose builders and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself, receiving strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child uh, when she was past age, uh, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there uh, even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in the multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things deliver plainly, that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have return. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. We're going uh, verse by verse through the Hebrews, book of Hebrews. And we're spending quite a bit of time in Hebrews chapter 11 looking at the different examples of faith. And tonight, again, we'll focus in on Abraham. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech, clarity of understanding. Lord, help uh, me to be able to focus in on uh, exactly what it is that uh, is needed to be said. Lord, help me to be able to deliver a sermon that uh, will be uh, help to everyone that's listening. Lord, help those in the pew to uh, set aside the cares and concerns and uh, worries that uh, uh, fill and flutter our minds. And Lord, um, anoint hearts. Help us, Lord, to leave here with a commitment to live by faith, not by sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as this, you may be seated. As the service began, I uh, began to have an immense amount of pressure within my head. And I'm slowly losing my ability to be able to to stand up straight. I'm getting uh, somewhat dizzy. So, if you can, pray for me um, while I preach. I'm the one that's prepared, and I'm the one that's ready, so I'm going to get through this, but I'm probably not going to move around much, because I don't want to fall over on the platform. Amen? But uh, just pray for me. Um, uh, I am on medicine, so that might have something to do with it. If I say something that is doctrinally out of bounds tonight, you'll have to forgive me and let it go. Okay. Um, We're going to spend quite a bit of time reviewing this evening, um, uh, because a lot of you are in the discipleship uh, class, and you didn't hear the first half of this Bible study. I believe everybody here this evening is familiar with the story of Abraham. Uh, His name was Abram uh, when he began his journey. He was married to a woman named Sarai, and their names would later be changed to Abraham and Sarah. Uh, Abraham and Sarah. When they began their journey, 
They had been married for quite some time and were successful at business and life. Abram and Sarai lived in Ur of the Chaldees, and God called them out of Ur of the Chaldees to go and uh, on a journey where only God would show them and take them. And as a little boy, it was explained to me this way in Sunday school, that Abram showed up one day and said, Sarai, uh, prepare to pack the boxes and load the U-Haul. We're moving. And Sarai said, okay, Abram, where are we going? And uh, he said, I don't know. And she said, what do you mean you don't know? He said, well, uh, the Lord told us to move, and we're going to jump in the truck, and we're going to go down the road, and when we get there, he will tell us. You say, well, was it really like that? It was pretty much like that. And God dangled a few carrots out in front of them, but that was pretty much what it was like. Now, uh, as Pastor Morales and Ms. Trina have, myself and Miss Angela have moved around a lot in the last 10 years. I believe uh, they maybe have moved one more time than we have, uh, but we have moved around a lot. And I have had to come home on more than one occasion and tell my wife, pack the boxes, we're moving. But I've always had a destination in mind. Well, one time I did it, but one was found before we actually loaded the truck. Uh, We always ended up with a destination in mind. I can't imagine what would have been like to pack up all of those things without the modern conveniences of today and just go. But that's what they did. That's what they did. And Abraham's life is not marked by some great achievement. Abraham's life is not marked by uh, arrival at some destination. Abraham's life is not marked by anything other than he was a man who lived by faith. Now, we get great encouragement from Abraham's life because God does not only record the good of his life, the Bible records some struggles that Abraham and Sarah had along the way. Uh, They were not perfect. They were not perfect. And I have to say, I am glad that God took the time to record their struggles Because I can say this, my faith walk hasn't been perfect. And I'm sure your faith walk hasn't been perfect. I read about Joseph and Daniel, and I think, wow, these guys never, never had a misstep, never fell, never said the wrong thing, never acted the wrong way. And I'm sure they did, but the Bible doesn't record their missteps. Um, But with Abraham, boy, we get some doozies. And we see that Abraham made some mistakes along the way. Um, I I made this statement uh, when we began Hebrews chapter 11. I think it fits here. Uh, What was the qualifier to make it in Hebrews 11 from the Old Testament? Well, first, you needed to have accomplished something through your faith. But it wasn't just that you lived by faith. It was that you finished your race strong. You finished your race well. And that's what Abraham did. He started strong, he fell and skinned his knee, but he got up and he kept going. And uh, all of us here tonight are somewhere on that journey. All of us here tonight are somewhere on that path. All of us here tonight are either 
running and we're in stride, or maybe you have slipped and fallen and skinned your spiritual knee. Maybe you're uh, sitting on the track and you're looking at the cinder that's buried, the little rocks that are buried in your elbows or your knee, and you're assessing the damage. Maybe you're discouraged and you don't even know if you should keep going or how you can keep going. Maybe you've even walked off the track and you've sat on the bench and just said, it's not worth it. My friend, I would encourage you to get up, get back in the race, and run by faith. Run by faith. Um, uh, these folks that are in Hebrews chapter 11, God did not put them here so we would idolize them. God put them here so they would be an example to us that just like they fell, we may fall. Just like they got back up, we're to get back up. Just like their faith was in an omnipotent God, our faith is to be in an all-powerful God. And so we are to do the same. Let's go through the outline here, and instead of just rushing through it, we're going to take the time and look at some of these verses together. Uh, when we get down to point four, there will be some blanks for you to fill back in. Notice point number one, Abraham's salvation. Abraham's salvation. Now, Hebrews 11 does not highlight his salvation being by faith, but it does talk about him being a man of faith. Verse 8 of Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Abraham. Turn over with me to Genesis chapter number 15 and look at verse number 6. It says there, And he believed in the Lord, and he, that would be the Lord, counted it to him, Abraham, for righteousness. He believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Was Abraham saved because he left Ur of the Chaldees? Was Abraham saved because he eventually would make it to the promised land? Was Abraham saved because God gave them Isaac? Was Abraham saved because uh, 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 he would be the father of many nations? No, Abraham was saved because he was a man of faith. Turn over to Galatians chapter number 3. And look at verse number 6. Now, interestingly enough, the book of Galatians was written to a church that was guilty of, uh, of legalism. Legalism in the sense of attaching works to their salvation. They believed that you had to be a good person. You had to keep the Sabbath. You had to eat kosher. Uh, you had to be circumcised. And it was rules, rules, rules in order to get into heaven. And so... Paul writes this book to say, hey, listen, it isn't by keeping of some Judaism religion that gets you into heaven. It's faith that gets you into heaven. It's believing. And he goes all the way back to Abraham in this book and points to Abraham's faith. Look at verse 6 of Galatians 3. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. How was Abraham saved? He was saved through faith. Turn back a couple of books to the book of Romans in chapter number 4. Romans was a church that was half Jew, half Gentile. And the Jews felt as though they were superior to the Gentiles of the church. And the Gentiles felt as though they were superior because they weren't bogged down by all those rules. And so there was a little bit of divide. And so uh, the book of Romans is written to clarify salvation. Look at verse 9. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that... 
faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Notice the order there, faith, then righteousness. It wasn't righteousness that brought Abraham to faith. It was faith that brought Abraham to an account of righteousness. You see, the order there is that your faith comes and then God lays righteousness on your record. Oftentimes when I have gone out and tried to be a witness uh, uh, for the Lord and share the gospel, I get to, down to the end and I'll have the person who I'm witnessing to say something like this to me. Uh, I'm not worthy to be saved. I, I, I'm not, uh, I, I need to give up some things before I can get saved. I'm too much of a sinner for the Lord to save me. I, I, uh, I drink alcohol. God won't save me if I'm going to continue to be an alcoholic or fill in the blank. And I'll tell them this oftentimes, we don't get better to get saved. We get saved and then God makes us better. We get saved and then God makes us better. And uh, how many of you here, when you got saved, there were still some sinful habits in your life the Lord had to work on uh, you a little bit, right? And uh, you get saved and uh, the Holy Spirit of God empowers you to be able to drop those things off and uh, to be able to do better. Abraham uh, first had faith and then God laid the righteousness on his account And then God spent that time helping him to grow. So number one, Abraham's salvation. Look at number two, Abraham's sincerity. Abraham's sincerity. You see, I meet a lot of folks who uh, uh, call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, but then they just seem to plunk down right there and never grow. They don't do a whole lot. And... I believe a lot of those folks are going to go to heaven. In fact, if they called upon the name of the Lord in sincerity to be saved, they're going to go to heaven. But, but can you listen to me this evening? God did not just call you to sit and sour on a pew or a chair. God called you to grow. And that's what Abraham did. Abraham had a faith that was sincere. It was sincere. Letter A, notice, his obedience was proof. His obedience was proof. Look down at Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. Notice that next word, obeyed. He obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. Whither he went. Turn over to Genesis chapter 12 for me. Uh, Now, Please, please hear what I'm about to say. I don't want to oversimplify the Christian life, but I believe some people overcomplicate the Christian life. Do you know that Christian life really is simple? Here's what it is. Uh, you get saved, and what's the next step? You're supposed to get baptized. And so, um, if you know that's the next step, then what do you do? You obey, and you get in the baptistry water. And then after you get baptized... Uh, you're supposed to be discipled. That means you're supposed to begin to grow in the Lord. So you uh, you go and you sign up for a discipleship course, and you sit there and you find out in the first book, uh, first a few books there, uh, some key doctrines, and you begin to learn those. And then you learn, hey, I'm supposed to read my Bible and pray every day. You know what it is? You have a choice. Am I going to read my Bible and pray every day, or am I not going to read my Bible and pray every day? Light obeyed brings more light. Light obeyed brings more light. And so as I know that God's word tells me to do things, 
I am to start following God's plan to do that. God told Abraham, he said, I want you to pack up your things and move. And Abraham had a choice. He either had to obey or not obey. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. So uh, God said, Abraham, I want you to get up and move. And he said, listen, I'm going to do this, this, and this for you if you'll obey. And, um, and, and he got up and did it. Uh, Christian, the Bible is filled with promises that if you obey, God will abundantly bless your life. You have a choice on whether or not you want to receive those blessings through obedience or just leave them on the table and not receive them through disobedience. So Abraham's sincerity, his obedience was proof. Notice letter B. His worship was passionate. His worship was passionate. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse number 9. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. So I'm left to wonder, what does that mean? Dwelling in tabernacles, dwelling in tabernacles. Now, we've put a lot of emphasis in weeks past on uh, uh, being a leader of your family. We see there that he did this with Isaac and Jacob. This would have been his children, grandchildren. But uh, what does that mean? That means he led his family in worship. How did he dwell in, t- in tabernacles? Well, we looked at with his time, with his time. Quickly go back to Genesis chapter 12. And look at verse number 8. It says there, And he removed from thence into a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. Was there a building erected for him to worship? No. Was there some altar there where he could offer up a sacrifice to the Lord? No, this was unchartered territory for a believer in God uh, as far as uh, uh, the geography goes. So he took of his time and he erected an altar and he worshipped the Lord. He said, this is going to be important and we're going to give our time. Chapter 13, verses 3 and 4 and 18. Chapter 18, verse 1. Again, you find other examples of him taking time in a new place to erect a, a, a place for him to worship the Lord. Not only did he worship with his time, but he worshiped with his treasure. Look at chapter 14 and verse number 17. Now here he has built a, a proprietary army. He's gone in and he's defeated uh, the kingdoms that have risen up against um, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. He's overthrown them and delivered back Lot, as well as the kingdoms of Sodom and Gomorrah. He is uh, the king of, well, look at verse 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of uh, Chedor Leomer, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. Look here. And he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, tithes of all. What happened here? He went in, he conquered these kingdoms, 
and uh, totally destroyed them because of their wickedness. And the king of Sodom said, you keep all of the spoils. We just want to go home. And so he's returning with his proprietary army with all of these goods. And on his way back, uh, Melchizedek, this would be Jesus Christ, in my opinion, in the Old Testament. He meets up with Abram and Abram gives him one tenth of all of the spoil, not because he was forced to. He gave up, gave it up to him because he was worshiping God. Now, please hear this. When the offering plate is passed, when you get paid on a regular basis, it should not be that Pastor Lejeune has to stand up in the pulpit and use strong arm tactics to get you to give a tenth of your possessions to the Lord. If you have to drop an envelope or a cash or a check, however it is you, you, you give it, uh, maybe you give online, uh, give uh, uh, via mail, however it is you give, if you have to drop that in the proverbial plate, and you grit your teeth and say, I can't afford to do this, ah, give it anyway. My friend, you've lost the spirit of giving. You are to give, not because someone preaches at you to give. Listen, it ought to be that I never preach on giving again, and five years from now, ten years from now, you're still faithfully giving to the Lord through the venue of the church. You know why? That's part of how we worship the Lord. That's part of how we tell God, I love you. God, I love you so much, I'm willing to put my hard-earned treasure back to you. Because everything I have is a gift from you anyway. His worship was passionate. Abraham gave, yes, of his time, but also of his treasure. Letter C, speaking of Abraham's sincerity, notice his relationship was personal. His relationship was personal. Go with me and look at Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Look here. Look how God audibly speaks with Abraham. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and uh, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. The Lord had said, audible voice, speaking directly with him, personal relationship. Look at verse number 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, look down at uh, uh, chapter 13 and verse number 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, you, you see the, the audible relationship here. Look at chapter 15 and verse number 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Uh, chapter 17 and verse number 1. And when Abram was 90 uh, years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him. So it went from just an audible speaking. Now the Lord is appearing to him and speaking to him. And then look at chapter 18 in verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. So now this isn't just a voice coming down from heaven. This isn't just a vision. You can see it being stepped up little at a time. Now the Lord is coming down, embodied in a person, a Christophany, coming down in a person, and he's going to sit there uh, at, at, on a blanket outside of Abram's tent and have a meal with Abraham in the person. You see, the relationship was personal. Now, please hear me loud and clear. God does not speak 
to us through an audible voice any longer. But God does desire to have a real relationship with you. That's a relationship that has to be cultivated. That's a relationship that takes time. Do you know, Christian, it takes time to learn to train your flesh to enjoy reading the Bible. You know, to be honest, my flesh still doesn't like reading the Bible. I've been saved for over 30 years. My flesh still does not enjoy reading the Bible. But when I get done, boy, I sure am glad I did it. My flesh does not enjoy spending time in prayer. But after I've been on my knees praying, boy, I sure am glad I've done it. Is your relationship with God sincere? Number three, we looked at Abraham's struggles. Abraham's struggles. Turn over, uh, we looked at letter A, his doubt. Turn over to chapter 16 and verse number 1. Now, Abraham and Sarah are about to make a big, big mistake. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had an, an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Shouldn't have done that. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. How desperate was Sarah to have a baby? Pretty desperate. Pretty desperate. Um, how desperate was Abraham to have a baby? I'd say just as desperate. No doubt, Sarah had gone through menopause at this point and felt as though that it was now physically impossible for her to have a baby and said, God is not keeping his word. Maybe God can't. And so we'll take matters into our own hands. Now, I cannot think of a scenario where my wife would say to me, go be with her. I just can't think of that scenario. I can't imagine that would ever happen. But Sarah wanted so badly to be a mom, she was willing to let her husband be with another woman just so she could be a surrogate mother. What a mistake. You see, when we want the right thing, but we don't want God's timing, we can really have our judgment impaired and make some bad decisions. You see the doubt here? They begin to doubt God. See, way back in Genesis 12, God said, I'm going to give you a baby. You just need to obey. Get up and go. And they, they got up and they went. And they, for the most part, followed God's plan. Oh, they had a little detour into Egypt. We'll see that in a few minutes. But for the most part, they stayed on track. They did what God told them to do. And then what happened? Then what happened? God still did not give them what they wanted. And they grew impatient. They began to doubt whether or not God was even capable of keeping his word. And they said, well, if God either can't or won't, then we'll do it for him. 
Look at the pain that that's caused. You go down and read Genesis chapter 16, as I have uh, several times in the last few weeks, what you'll find is that Ishmael would be born, but he would be a wild man. He would have an inability to get along with people. And can I tell you that there will always be a clash in the Middle East until the Antichrist comes and brings a temporary peace, and then Christ comes and brings real peace. Um, I, I'm leery of America, and I don't get into politics much in the pulpit. I'm leery of America getting into, uh, getting into uh, the Middle East and, and, and trying to bring them to peace. Listen, it's just not going to happen. They are always going to be at odds with each other. Why? Why? Because Abraham and Sarah try to take matters into their own hands. Here we are thousands of years later, and we're still dealing with the same repercussions. His doubt. His discouragement. His discouragement. Look at chapter 17, verse 17. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety-nine years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. God comes down to him after Ishmael has been born and says, I'm still going to give Sarah a baby. And Abraham's just in the throes of discouragement. He says, God, I just don't see how it's going to happen. Just let Ishmael live before you. Let her see his denial, his denial. And without going into it uh, uh, right now, we looked at two weeks ago how that um, they left Canaan land and traveled down into Egypt. And then when they arrived down in Egypt, he lies about his wife, and uh, or tells at least a half lie about his wife, and she's snatched up by uh, Pharaoh, or the Pharaoh, or the leader of Egypt, and then he does the same thing again in chapter number 20. He denies his wife. Take heart, Christian. You say, I've not made mistakes as big as Abraham. Listen, in James chapter 2, verse 23, Abraham is called the friend of God. And so you may have made some mistakes along the way. Walk by faith. Get back up, dust yourself off, and keep going. Let's finish out the uh, outline this evening. This will be new material. Notice number four, Abraham's stimulus. Abraham's stimulus. What allowed Abraham to get up each morning and put one foot in front of the other? Notice letter A, a precious child. A precious child. Look at chapter 12 in verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. Look at verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Here I see a, a 30 or 40 something year old man with his wife who've not yet had a child. They're, 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 connected to each other, they love each other, they love God, they believe God, and God says, yes, Sarah, your womb is barren, but I want you to get up and go. And Sarah says, well, what's in it for me? And maybe even before she can ask the question, God says, if you'll get up and go, not only am I going to give you a child, I'm going to make of you 
I'm going to make of you, Abraham and Sarah, a, a great nation. Turn over to chapter 20. Now, a lot of time elapses, years elapse between chapter 12, and, uh, or rather chapter 21, between chapter 12 and chapter 21. In fact, now Abraham and Sarah are old. By today's standards, they would have been in their upper 60s uh, as far as uh, length of life and uh, childbearing years. Look at chapter uh, 21. And the Lord visited Sarah, verse 1, and as he, uh, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham his son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, which Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham uh, circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. So Isaac means laughter which is a perfect name for him. As some of you may remember, in, in chapter 18, when the Lord came down to visit with them, he asks uh, Abraham uh, about having a child, and Sarah laughs behind the tent door within her. And he says, uh, Sarah uh, laughed, and she says, no, I didn't. And she lies about laughing. And, and, and then here she has a baby, and her heart's overflowed with joy, and, and she's laughing now, uh, not at God, but rather... She She's overflowed with joy and laughing, and she names her son laughter. Why? Because God had answered her prayers. Hey, on the side, Christian, write this down. Uh, uh, Christian, uh, faith is exhibited by patience. Patience. We don't always get God's promises on day one. We don't always get God's promises when we think we're going to get them. In fact, oftentimes, God waits to the 11th hour and then past our 11th hour and at his 11th hour. Oftentimes, God comes through after this, uh, when the situation seems impossible. A precious child. What got Abraham up every day, putting one foot in front of another? Well, it was the fact, it was this very fact that he knew God was, or, or trusted that God would give him a child. Let her be a people chosen. A people chosen. Look at chapter 11 and verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 11, rather. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 12. It says, Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky a multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Now we talked about um, uh, last week, or two weeks ago, we looked at the quote, and then uh, we looked at it way, way back, even before discipleship. The faith allows, the, allows us to see the future as present and the uh, impossible as possible. The future as present and the impossible as possible. Did Abraham ever see a people so great that they couldn't be numbered? Nope. That happened after he died. That happened well after he died. In fact, it would happen hundreds of years after he died. But did God keep his word? Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. God looked at Abraham and said, I'm going to choose a specific nation. And I'm going to love them above all the people of the world. 
and you're going to be the father of them. And then one day I'm going to send my only begotten to this earth, and he's going to die for the sins of the world, and all those that believe in him are going to be tied back into you. Now, God did not give Abraham all those details. But can I tell you this? If you're saved today, you're a son or daughter of Father Abraham. Because we're all part of a greater nation in Christ. A people chosen. Notice letter C and lastly, a promised country. I love this. Go back with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse number 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So here Abraham is traveling around, and he's, he's looking for heaven on earth. Look down at verse number 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, the promises rather, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they uh, that say such things declare plainly, that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desired a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Turn over to Genesis chapter 12 and look at verse number 6. Look here with me. And Abram passed through the land into the place of Sychem, under the plain of Amorah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. What was he looking for? He was looking for that city, which was in heavenly. Uh, uh, now, when did Abraham get to realize that city? It wasn't at his death. If you know your Bible, you know that he would go on to paradise. But now Abraham is in that heaven. He is with God in heaven. And my friend, there is a promised land for each of us. I think of so many who have died and gone on before us. You know where they are? They're in a city whose foundations are built by God. They're in a place that is perfect. Christian, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. As tough as this world may be sometimes, as discouraged as you may get, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, keep running your race, keep pursuing the goal. There is a promised country that awaits us. Christian, if you ever lose hope, then you've lost, you've lost everything. Now, you can't lose your salvation, but a Christian that's lost hope is a Christian who's in great despair. We have a city that was built by God, and it's waiting for us. And we want to keep marching forward. Amen. Thank you for putting up with my ramblings this evening. Let's stand and be dismissed.